Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cane and Rinse podcast. It's volume nine, our ninth year, and this is issue 401. We're going to be talking about Red Dead Redemption 2. Joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 401 are Jacob Geller. Hello. Jay Taylor. Howdy. Joshua Garrity. Howdy. Thank you. And <laughs> Richard Davidson. Hello. Sorry, I added a D to your surname there. It's just Davison. Um, there it is. Why not? Ap- apologies. Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, a spoiler warning. A major one because this game is heavily story based and there's a lot to spoil, not just actually the story and where it goes, where it ends up. Even though it's a prequel and certain elements were kind of locked in from the beginning because we knew what happens at the start of the original Red Dead Redemption or the second in the series, if you include Red Dead Revolver. But also we're going to be talking about secrets and Easter eggs and emergent moments and other things that pop up and happen throughout the adventures of our cowboy chums. So this was, of course, made by Rockstar Studios across the world. Toronto, India, Leeds, London, New England, North San Diego and Lincoln's not even on that list. But we know that they did work on it. Uh, And of course, the Housers were the executive producers, with the producer being Rob Nelson. Uh, There were, I I finally saw the credits roll uh, the other night, and they are long, possibly the longest ever credits in the history of video games. (laughs) Possibly the most people worked on this game of any game. It was in development for eight years, as we know. Uh, I guess the development money hasn't been announced yet. Um, Whatever it was, it was no doubt astronomical. Uh, built in the Rage Engine and came out in October 26, 2018 on the current-gen consoles PS4 and Xbox One. Just fairly recently came out on PC, had a rocky launch there uh, for Windows in November 2019 and also on Google Stadia. Remember that? That'll be a funny thing when people listen to this podcast in 10 years' time and either Stadia is the only thing we play on or it's another Gizmondo and everyone's forgotten about it. Uh, It came with a whopping 96 gigabyte install. I guess that may have actually gone up since then, (laughs) including more online bits. And they recently added a substantial patch, which included not only the photo mode, but also some uh, extra bounties and weapons and things for the single player. Reviews wise, unsurprisingly, I suppose, and probably famously, this game did exceptionally good business. Uh, with it ranking as an, a 96 on Open Critic, I was interested to look at the user reviews because, as with any game that is heralded as such, there's been a bit of a backlash among certain people, basically because a game comes out like this, gets 97% everywhere, whatever. Everyone wants to play it because it's the big talking point. And then, of course, no game works for everybody so there's a lot about this game that we'll get into that it just is not going to tick certain boxes for certain people um however people who like films really like it still on the imdb it's got <laughs> 9.7 out of 10 from over fifteen thousand punters which is perhaps telling in itself on push square it's got a healthy 8.9 out of 10 but over on metacritic and i believe this is partly to do with the pc version getting review bombed because it was broken on launch. It's uh, slipped to an 8.1 out of 10 from just under 10,000 punters. Sales-wise, well, it had the largest opening weekend in the history of entertainment, taking over 725 million US dollars in revenue in three days, over 17 million copies shipped in two weeks, exceeding the lifetime sales 
of the previous game in the series, Red Dead Redemption, and as of November 2019, it had shipped 26.5 million copies. Still some way to go to catch up with GTA 5, and it probably never will, but even so, it's done okay. So what were our histories with the game? We each Did we each buy it at launch, and just how much of it have we played, I suppose, and on what format? Jay? Yeah, I picked, uh, got it week one. Um, you got a freebie, didn't you? I didn't. Full disclosure. You Kai, didn't. Kai, I didn't because Kai had left the company before the game came out. Oh, you're, you're quite right because I was there but, that weekend. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you were. I got a discounted copy because I got our friends at Rockstar to buy us a copy of it because they get staff discount. Staff discount. Any idea of percentage or done and time spent I, on it? We're only talking re- single player well, here, by the way. Yeah, of course. Um, I can remember. I can't remember the percentage. I didn't check it. I think it's in the high eighties, early nineties with that because yep. I'm thorough when yes, I play through. You are. I do remember I was on a deadline to finish it because I finished it at three o'clock in the morning the night before we flew out to Japan because I had to finish it. I couldn't go to not Japan and um, not know how it ended. <laughs> is that <laughs> the, the ending or the ending? Yeah, that is the epilogue ending as well. Right, so I okay. had to get through that. And I remember Kai coming down after she, cause she was packing the case and she, she came down and was cussing me off because I'd finished it and she wanted to see the ending and she didn't. Oh. Um, but you it see was her like, name in the credits? Well, she saw that, but it's, yeah. that's all she saw. <laughs> she didn't she see the ending. But, but yeah, there was that... Jay, you played on PS4? PS4. Yeah. Base PS4. Okay. Yeah, Rich, yeah. how about you and Red Dead 2? PS4. I, I actually mainly play everything, well, everything on the PS4. Uh, I picked it up on day one, which is rare for me. I don't tend to pick up many things day one, and it's usually because I've got a pretty healthy backlog of open world games. I recall being very fearful that I didn't quite have the money because approximately three days after this release was the day that I got married, so I had absolutely nothing in my bank account by that point. But my colleagues bandied together and got it for me, and I enjoyed about three days' worth of procrastinating in the game because I knew I had a week or so where I wasn't going to get to play it. Um, in terms of like my attitude towards that, I played like a lot of GTA Online and a lot of GTA for that matter, so I had some reservations about what Red Dead might be and what it might involve. Um, And I think we'll probably dive into whether or not I was surprised or elated or disappointed as we get along there. So, yeah. Sure. Uh, Jay, you were, of course, a fan of the original. Rich, had you played Red Dead Redemption? Yeah, 2010 game, yeah? Yeah, I did have very little memory of it, though. Oh, really? Okay, fair enough. Josh, you were also a fan of 2010's Red Dead Redemption. I'm sure you were on that podcast we made many, many years ago now. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe I was. Um and yeah, I I, I loved Red Dead Redemption One. Um I, I have a bit of a, a, a weird relationship with uh, Rockstar in that their most popular and financially successful series has never really gelled with me. Mm-hmm. Um but for whatever reason and I mean it's like a combination of uh, genre and, and tone, I think. Yeah. Um Red Dead kind of uh, keyed into something that I, I was I was more personally interested in. It has and a very yeah, different feel. It's less yeah. kind of you know, it's less scabrous and and yeah. You know. I, I mean, there's there's a bit of that in the first Red Dead. Um, mm. Like mm-hmm. the, there's some some characters who have very clearly like exaggerated caricatures, but yes, um, yeah. I think it leans more and more into the drama as that game goes along and. 
I think this game, well, I mean, we'll get into it, but I think it fully embraces that side of Red Dead Redemption 1. And uh, yeah, I was I was really excited for Red Dead Redemption 2. I was uh, day one, uh, PS4, um, no, not not with any pro modifications. So I haven't haven't seen this in all its 4K HDR oh, glory. Goodness me, Jacob, you would have been sorry to bring it up. You would have been pretty young when Red Dead Redemption came out. Possibly I was, but I did it. no, I did play it when it came okay. out, and I was a I was a big fan of Red Dead Redemption One. Um, but even though I liked that game a lot, I was not super excited. Uh in the kind of run up to two because um one i assumed since since gta 5 had made all the money in the world that this would be more similar to grand theft auto than red dead redemption one had been Hmm. and i like josh have just never got on with that series um and also because maybe we'll talk about this a little more but in the early previews seeing who we were playing as seeing arthur morgan did not excite me he just kind of seemed like a very normal white guy, yeah. and I was I was a I little bit disappointed feeling, that that yeah. they weren't going in in what I thought would be a more interesting direction. Um, and so I just you know it it was coming out and it was big news, but I wasn't super excited. And then the reviews hit, and and so then I I realized like oh I, I've got to get this, and so I went to my my local smelly game shop and actually did a midnight release of it which i haven't done in years for anything um and and i got it and brought it home and and powered through uh pretty quickly and then have you know if anyone watches my videos they will be familiar with the fact that i have returned to it as kind of a muse um several times since Hmm. what versions uh just the standard ps4 what oh crazy you guys (laughs) <laughs> um, I I bought the Xbox One version because I have got an Xbox One X and a 4K screen. Uh, famously, as Digital Foundry explored, the HDR support was kind of busted for the first few months until they patched it up. And it didn't look as good as it should have done if you had an HDR set. But I'm happy to report they fixed it. And uh, yeah, I, I'm very happy that that's the version I played. Um put it to put it mildly uh yeah so i was i was a fan of red dead redemption one check that podcast out to hear uh, a slightly younger less jaded leon talking about that <laughs> um was looking forward to this but of course in the middle of the cane and rinse schedule and um knew that we were you know we were tackling all kinds of lengthy games uh at that point meant that when when you get a game like this you don't necessarily get to get to it straight away obviously i installed it and had a look and was uh you know suitably um what's the word i was kind of anticipating it uh keenly but i knew that i couldn't really settle into it but i did play i played i guess a couple of chapters in the end before leaving it aside for a while came back to it more recently um and uh, finished it off recently uh, today i've actually been gobsmacked by just how much map is available that i'd never seen before um now i'm in the post game uh but yeah one of the issues that came up um so this development had been a long thing uh the game is regardless of anyone's criticisms of it as a game or as an experience it's ridiculously ambitious and big in scope uh, the finished game includes 300,000 animations, 500,000 lines of dialogue, 
and many more lines of code than that. Uh, this uh, final spoiler warning before we get into the story. There you go. It is America. It's 1899, 11 years before the game that we played previously in the series. Uh, after a robbery goes badly wrong in the western town of Blackwater, Arthur, Mog- Arthur Morgan and the Vanderlind gang are forced to flee with federal agents and the best bounty hunters in the nation massing on their heels. The gang must rob, steal and fight their way across the rugged heartland of America in order to survive as deepening internal divisions threaten to, threaten to tear the gang apart. <laughs> I wonder where that's going to end up. Uh, Arthur must make a choice between his own ideals and loyalty to the gang who raised him. So yeah, let's get into it. The whole kit and caboodle that is the characters, the cast, the script, the performances. Um, I suppose the best place to start would be with uh, Arthur Morgan, as you spend many, many hours in his company. He's the thing who's front and centre of the screen, unless you're playing in first-person mode, of course. Uh, Worth saying that returning characters from Red Dead include John Marston uh, and Abigail, his wife, uh, but before uh, before they're actually married at the start of the game anyway. Uh, John's son, Jack, uncle, antagonist Dutch, Bill, Javier and Edgar Ross, However, only four actors from the previous game return. Rob Wheatoff, John Marston, of course, Benjamin Byron Davis as Dutch, and Steve J. Palmer as Bill, and Jim Bentley as Edgar Ross. The rest of the returning characters are replaced by a new cast of voice actors. Josh, I know you were desperate to talk about Arthur Morgan, so let's Mm. start with you. Much like Jacob um, expressed in in his history, um, going into this, I was really worried that Arthur Morgan was just going to be a really mean heavy. Um, That first Mm. trailer that came out painted him as like a very cruel and um, malicious man. And yeah, I I was concerned that, you know, after John Marston, who, um, you know, had a story of, trying to be better whether he managed that or not is is maybe up for some debate but like there was a character who lived a rough life lived a morally you know questionable life and was trying in in whatever was within his means to you know try and build a better life for his wife and his son so i was completely caught off guard by the story that um, they chose to tell with Arthur Morgan. Um, this this tale of a man realising everything that he dedicated his, you know, his, you know, his mind, his body, his soul to was maybe a fabrication, was maybe like, you know, we'll get into Dutch later, but like the cult of Dutch is just really fascinating. But you can see how a younger version of Arthur could have been, you know, absorbed by that and and felt loved by that that presence in his life. And then, you know, I'm skipping way ahead here, but it's kind of important for my analysis of Arthur. His diagnosis of tuberculosis, that realization that he's going to die and then you know the quest that the game puts you you know 
puts in front of you after that diagnosis and kind of side quests that kind of very deliberately mirror side quests you did right at the beginning of the game but then but having that question there of like should i just do what i've been doing all the way through this game or should i actually realize that there's a better way and i could be there's still time to be a better person and it f- really moved me in a way that um i was not expecting and uh i am just like head over heels in love with this character um there's one conversation that has stayed with me for so long um is this he's at this train station and he's talking to the um a nun who just features in a side quest that you can totally miss and this mm-hmm. whole conversation could could be missed if you don't do that side quest um and and he just says i'm afraid and it broke me like it just mm-hmm. broke me and it was it's a combination of roger clark's like incredible performance and the amazing work of the animators at um rockstar of just nailing the subtlety of a man realizing and just like the the facade just falling like this projection of strength and toughness just disappearing and him just admitting that i'm terrified and i don't know what to do and that <laughs> sorry i'm getting choked up just talking about oh, it okay. um it just it really affected what about his horse me. <laughs> that, oh, don't, that don't scene. talk about a horse. <laughs> we've got, we've got hours of this. <laughs> we can't start here. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I mean, there, there are so many great characters, and we'll talk yeah. talk about them, I'm sure. But I think what Roger Clark and and the writers at um, Rockstar and the animators, oh my god, the animators mm-hmm. did with this character is incredible. And I think Arthur Morgan is one of the most successful protagonists video games have uh, have ever seen. One of the really impressive things that this game does is we're so used to video games working with archetypes because even in kind of the most successful stories, it is a game first. And, and so that the game happens and you write a character around the thing that you have already decided is going to happen in the game and they just don't have enough time to develop the kind of depth that we see in long-running TV shows or something. Not even movies, but like stories that take place over years and years develop a depth of character that's usually just impossible in this medium. Mm. And when you see numbers like 500,000 lines of dialogue, that seems absurd you know who would who would ever need 500,000 lines of dialogue but what it allows them to do is take take this character who at the beginning just seems like a kind of blank slate you know does what he's told character and just find infinite depth in him and and every time you feel like you have kind of fully figured out who Arthur Morgan is, they will find another wrinkle and deliver another situation that delves deeper into this character. And it's just the sheer time that you spend with him means that you get to know him. And and to to the writer's credit, they had a fuller picture of who this man was than virtually any other character I can remember. 
in terms of the performance that was put out it's it's kind of peerless in terms of exactly what what it is that i've experienced but i did find that there were some limitations with uh, arthur morgan's character and while the performance itself was laudable almost sort of skirting on the edge of the the mechanics i felt that there wasn't much opportunity to impose my will upon arthur so for example when i'm playing a game usually and i've I've asked myself a question a lot about why i do this but usually i'll play the renegade path because i just find Mm -hmm. it more interesting and more Mm -hmm. appealing and i spend most of my day being kind and nice to everybody else it's some nice escapism there's um a lot of like back-end mechanics in the game that prevent you from making arthur this reprehensible character we might get into that a little bit later but by the end of the game you know it became a case of how can I negotiate around some of those limitations in order to get Arthur to be the character that I want while still achieving some of the actual goals that the the wider narrative wants me to have. Um, I, I think that's a great point because it shows kind of the the struggle of the the rock star game design where you get to, you know, do do whatever you want and play however you want with a story that I think really wants to go in a specific direction. And and we'll talk about the endings but in this game, more than most, it really seems like there is an ending that you should get and then a a bad ending as well. But it's it's hard to imagine my character is any other one than the way that I played him, which is the kind of good path yeah. all the way through. Mm. Um, and, and so it's interesting that they kind of try to give you this choice that we're used to, but it maybe doesn't work because of their other ambitions. Honestly, I didn't know until researching for this podcast over the last couple of days that there are multiple endings based on Mm. how you've lived your life throughout the game. Um, And it even kind of sets you up early on by giving you, once Arthur gets sick and starts seeing his spirit animal, if you're headed down the dark path, you get a wolf. And if you're headed down the lighter path, you get the Mm. deer. Uh, So you can even at that point start to, yeah, redeem yourself. And this is, that's one of the main things I wanted to say, like, the title didn't make much sense to me in the previous game. Yeah. Really? But it does here. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and my question was to those who did play it out differently, and I haven't watched all the endings yet. Um, there's like, it's like 40 minutes to watch the various, uh, the, the variations, which, and again, it really does, as well as how you've played, it comes down to a, there's, a, there's one binary choice towards the end of basically helping John escape or going back for some money. And I guess if you're playing the renegade path, that's kind of where you'd, you'd be led. But I was wondering because it's felt the, it felt to me like the, the story that they really wanted to tell was that Arthur realizes that actually living that life, even if you're only killing quotes, bad guys, you're still killing, you're still doing bad things. You're still robbing by the end when he, experiences both betrayal and mortality that's when he he realizes that actually he you know he he could and should have been a better person still uh well although that stuff is there's various uh, various times he talks about that very specifically like right at the very beginning of the game or very early on in the game where you first come across um mrs adler and you're helping her get on a horse and and arthur says you know we're bad men but we're not that kind of bad men, you know, and it's like there's a full acknowledgement that these are not they're not good people, and you know he says to the to the sister at the train station, you know, I'm a bad man, and he knows all this stuff, and and even on the horse when you're you finally had that sort of 
epiphany and you're you're facing off against Dutch for the last time. There's um you're getting loads of like audio from previous conversations coming up and it's it, there's you know it's very specific bits about it's too late for him you know and he he acknowledges that John to Dutch right at the end he acknowledges to John that John's the only one who's who's who who got it you know who's who's won so to speak because he's got a family and he's he's abandoned this life we had an interesting piece on this from deadpool negative from the forum uh who says i wish arthur had more to his goals than just being loyal to the gang i felt invested in him because of the actor's performance but if mary linton were more uh, were a more integral part of the plot if his son and baby mama were still alive and he wanted to leave something for them Instead, he's all about making sure John Marston gets out alive. And we know how that ends. I can see that perspective, but but I loved that John, uh, Arthur had this very specific perspective that I feel like we don't get from a lot of games, and especially not Rockstar games, where he was he was a very romantic man in the kind of like tragic sense of it, where you, you got the sense mm. that he really felt deeply for people and and cared about them but with none of the crassness of what inevitably video game love triangles and sex scenes turn into where you know if you do all the right things in the witcher 3 then you get to have a sex scene with someone um and and so i really loved the the position that they put him with his interpersonal relationships where there was no doubt in your mind about how how much he cared for others and kind of him him discovering along this journey how that's kind of the thing that's important in life. Like trying to cast my mind back to like to rid myself of the way I feel about this game and to think back of when I first saw the trailers and first heard that it was a prequel. Yeah. I think we it called was... that, Jay. I'm sure I remember us having a conversation like when the game was announced saying the obvious way to go is the prequel. Uh, because of the yeah yeah because there was nowhere to go in the future with this it was that was the, yeah, the second exactly. game was kind of done but it was it was this idea that like you know how it's going to end you know where this is going to go so what can they do that would you know there's this sort of slight slight hesitation over whether it's going to be good because you kind of think what the hell mm. like where are they going to take this because we know where these characters all end up yeah but then. I was just constantly surprised by the depth of the writing, the depth of the the performances. I, I can't think of a, a many games that why I look at the entire cast, yeah. of the principal cast, and just think it's pitch perfect. Mm, it's yeah. nigh on. Like, I can't think of any weak performances generally um, within the sort of the, the gang and all that. I just think everybody's literally spot on with it. And just the choice of voices as well. Everyone's, yeah. Everyone just sounds so great, you know, from uh, Charles Smith's wonderful sort of almost monotone and uh, um, Sadie's kind of rich, th- throaty southern yeah. accent and stuff. Yeah, it's like, yeah, uh, it, it was, it's out. It, when you do get so, perhaps, you know, one of, the, one of the half a million lines of dialogue said by a pedestrian that's slightly less well delivered it actually stands out we're kind of moving in this direction um so i i need to talk about dutch vandalin as sure. well yeah please um, yeah <laughs> i think so there are a couple of antagonist figures in this game um i think micah bell um can sometimes go into the cartoony 
mm. darkest mm-hmm. shade of black uh, style yeah. villain. But I can forgive that because he's kind of serving as the devil on the shoulder of one of my favorite antagonists in games full mm-hmm. stop in Dutch, which I think is such a rich examination of a cult leader, of somebody who has fallen head over heels in love with his his own legend and his own uh, just propaganda. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just this willingness to justify any and all action in the name of what he considers to be the right way to live. Yeah, indeed. Um, and then, like, and and just the, Arthur, you know, pairing that with Arthur Morgan, like Arthur Morgan's just continual disillusionment, and like it comes to a head in in uh, Guama, where um, he basically witnesses Dutch kill this woman for pretty much no reason, mm. and Dutch kind of, well, no, she she definitely would have betrayed us. Well, would she? Would she? I don't know. I could, I don't understand the conversation that happened. I feel like I caught the tail end of it, but it, I, and and just again, it's the animators like Dutch and uh, Dutch's facial animation and the performance from Benjamin Davis. He just does a convincing job of conveying somebody who could believably do all these horrible things and still think he's a good person. Um, I just think, like, for me, he's like up there with like Andrew Ryan and and you know the 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 greats in in you know video game antagonists. He's just a really really compelling villain. Yeah, I'm, I'm pleased you brought up that particular instance actually because it's the first instance where you actually see Dutch do something that he's accused of doing all the way back in the well, actually before the beginning Blackwater when he supposedly assaulted a woman. Mm. But one thing that I like about Dutch is the the sort of um, counterplay between him and Leviticus Cornwall and in that they're both kind of vying for the same ends they just want to pursue their own world order and there's quite a poignant um, discussion between the two of them very late on in the game at the point you confront Leviticus Cornwall where they actually draw a lot of comparisons between one another in that they both have no problem with killing they both have no problems with stealing it's just that one of them is done through the means of a legal institution and the other one is done through some kind of cult anarchy uh, kind of ideology at the same point yeah, I think what um what uh, what's so great about giving us both Micah and Dutch is that you never want Micah to be anything better. You know, you know, ne- you never care about how he ends up or what he does, but through the convincing performance of of Arthur and Dutch and uh like Josiah, um you you want Dutch to be who he says he is for all of these people. You really want him to be able to kind of give everyone the anarchist commune dream that that he keeps propositioning. And so that makes it so much more painful when when he can't than if you had just kind of the, the mustache twirling Micah as the ultimate antagonist because you... You have seen and through a million different ways how important Dutch is to everyone in the gang. You know, he's not he's not the kind of like surprise evil god at the end of a Final Fantasy game. He is someone that you know intimately. 
uh, Deadpool Negative from the forum says, I'd like to give a shout out to probably the game's most well-known actor, the great Graham Greene, for his haunting performance as Chief Rain's Fall. The Native American side plot feels a tad shoehorned in and goes in familiar directions, but Greene is so, so good in his portrayal of a man whose world and the world of his people is being consumed around him and by outside forces, and he is utterly powerless to affect it. Yeah, I think um, especially seeing seeing the villainy and the callousness of Dutch as a white man who is using the indigenous population to his own means while pretending to care about them, but really mm. not caring at all what happens to them is, is I think, a, a very... A very well done uh, act in what, you know, is a pretty treacherous territory, especially for a studio like Rockstar, which has previously not treated these issues with a huge amount of delicacy. I think this is by far overall their most mature script and story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I was really worried... You know, like the men in the camp are kind of the 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 people of action in that group, and I was worried that that was going to be used as as an excuse not to shine a light on the, you know, the female members of the gang. Mm-hmm. But I do think a lot of time is spent on fleshing their lives out and making sure that you know that they're a vital part of the the you know the day to day of you know keeping yeah. this this community together. I mean, just just to briefly go back to something you said earlier, Jay, where you were saying how how is a prequel going to work if mm. you know how it's going to end? And I think one of the successes with all of these character arcs and and the story as a whole is the the narrative kind of embracing that you know what's going to happen, yeah. and it's the tragedy of all of this coming to an end, which which is infused in like infused in every moment of happiness like when you yeah. see these characters at their best when dutch isn't you know when dutch is you know temporarily being the man he says he is yeah. like you're like man well i yeah. want this i want this to work and and knowing that it's not is is part of the power of this game is knowing that it's all going to fall to pieces it does the thing that it seems like prequels are set up to do and yet so few actually manage, which is making the original better. That mm. that John Marston is actually a much stronger character replaying Red Dead Redemption 1 with the knowledge of what he's gone through in Red Dead mm. Redemption 2. It doesn't it doesn't contra even even though it might in in certain kind of finicky ways through yeah. the kind of uh, clouded memory that we have of these old games, thinking back about his actions in the first game, knowing what we he's gone through in the second, it is just infinitely more interesting. And and that was before this game came out. I just thought there was no way they would be able to do that. Yeah, there are six chap- chapters in the game, hundred and four story missions, that two part epilogue. Uh, I wonder if anyone aligns in any way with uh, Electric Crocosaurus from the forum, who says Red Dead Redemption 2 is the Netflix series of the video game world with a budget that most of its contemporaries can only dream of. Moments of undeniable brilliance and peerless levels of art design and execution, yet it's also padded to an unnecessarily RPG-like length without having enough story beats to match its gargantuan runtime. The narrative is partly hampered by starting with the Vandalin gang 
already in decline. Even without its prequel status, it's clear where the story will go from the off, meaning the arguments between Arthur and the less savoury elements of the gang wear thin long before the end. I I understand that uh. criticism, but I think one of the important things about this game is it's not really about its plot, it's about its characters. And so mm. the the runtime feels long, I think, if you were to describe every single event that happens in the game, like, oh, they yeah. go here and then they go here. But when you think about it in just like this game requires you to spend 75 hours with these characters in order to fully grasp the kind of like emotional weight of what's happening to them i think that that was probably their intention with the length and i think that's where it succeeds david rush from the forum says the story of arthur morgan voiced to perfection by roger clark is one of my favorite journeys taken with any video game protagonist in my 28 years of playing games the tens of hours spent with Arthur hunting, looting, shooting, fighting and bathing were so true and honest that I felt I had lived a life with a true companion and friend. The character writing in, this, in the game is arguably Rockstar's finest since GTA 4 with a true arc to Arthur's tale. Uh, third man from the forum talks about, uh, I guess we could call it ludonarrative dissonance. <laughs> Rockstar's work still suffers from the endemic contradiction in open world games between player freedom and mandatory content. For me, the best illustration of this concerned the Murphy Broods Beaver Hollow hideout. I first arrived at it accidentally, and it was immediately my most chilling encounter up to that point. I explored the area, taking notice of the rancid corpses and human flesh strewn about the camp before killing a number of the brood and making my escape. However, when a later mission brought me to the hideout, Arthur's dialogue made it quite clear that he was seeing all of this for the first time. Yet the bodies of the men he had killed still lay on the ground in front of him pulled me right out of the fiction. And that's just a single encounter in a tiny area of the map. If I had spent huge amounts of time exploring in advance of the missions, particularly those sent, set in Saint-Denis, then so much of Arthur's reactions and dialogue would have been fundamentally contradictory. Thankfully, I realised quite early on the difficulty that this presented, and from that point on I explored the map in tandem with the story, not ahead of it. Rockstar's MO is to give the player as much freedom as possible However, in the stories they tell and in the missions they design, it's quite clear that you're not meant to fully exploit that freedom. And if you do, then their carefully developed scripts suffer. On the Red Dead Redemption podcast, James summed it up as being given the freedom to make a choice and then being punished for exercising that freedom, or words to that effect. In some of the older GTA games, certain areas were locked out until the story had been progressed. It was frustrating, but it seemed to work. Modern players, including myself, I hasten to add, would balk at the idea of invisible walls in a game of this scale and ambition. So I'm not suggesting Rockstar should regress and start gating content. In fact, I'm not making any suggestions because I simply don't know how this problem could be addressed. But it is a problem. Rockstar are arguably the very best at making these open worlds sing, but there were times during this game where I felt that we are still generations away from open worlds that fully deliver on their promise. If all that sounds ungrateful, then I can assure you it's not. Red Dead Redemption 2 sits comfortably in my top five favourite games of all time. Somewhere in my criticisms lies a compliment because only the very best games push me to consider what perfection might look like. Um, so yeah, just uh, talking about the, the ending of Arthur's story. Uh, so I guess most of us got the... <laughs> Stag. 
yeah, the got, got the good ending, um, which is where you know he. I mean, he he's pretty much dead anyway from the from the tuberculosis. Um, mm. This, I mean, I found that whole the the fact of Arthur getting ill actually quite moving and uh, actually a, a you know sort of more affecting than I thought it might in the sense that um, you know I remember playing Far Cry Two and just finding having malaria incredibly annoying and frustrating, but here I felt nothing but pain and sympathy as Arthur wasn't able to to do what what he'd been able to do for dozens of hours up to that point and found myself worrying about him you know going off and fighting and and coming down sick in the middle of things and obviously it actually has a gameplay effect in the sense that you can't consume as much food and medicine before you before you get ill again before it stops having an effect um and the good ending has him yeah kind of you know getting having a, a getting a good beating and ultimately unable to kind of uh, drag himself on anymore but <laughs> you I know think the good. bad ending he gets <laughs> Yeah, well, sure, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I actually got the bad end. I was going to so... say, you got shot in the face, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. I think the only the only meaningful difference... I mean, I've mm. looked at them both and I've struggled oh, the, to kind of discern... That's not, the, that's not the bad ending. Is that the true that's, ending? I'm not no, sure. No, so there's three, there's three endings for Arthur, which one is good, there's good, bad, and indifferent. Oh, right, okay. The indifferent one is the one where he gets shot in the face. Yeah, yeah. So, so if I recall oh, okay. correctly, it's been over a year now, but um, the bad ending was very similar to the good ending. It was just a little bit less heroic in the sense that he's very helpless and completely mm. unable to defend himself mm-hmm. and can't really say anything to, to defend his own actions. He sort of acknowledges that he's... Yeah, but this is, this is incorrect because there's, the end has an a ultimate choice where you decide to either help John or go back for the money. And so the true right. bad ending is going back for the money and and in that case yeah which i did <laughs> yeah so that's i mean but that is significantly different than the good ending it's it's an entirely different set piece where where you you know you like knife fight micah and and you've like you've grabbed the money and your your money counter goes up to like three million dollars very briefly or something but it's it, it's a totally different situation i think you're quite right perhaps i'm just conflating the the idea of Arthur's he, death he does die to absolutely journey yeah. to the end in yeah. either way yeah mark hoog from the forum says to me red dead redemption 2's most interesting part was the smaller story involving edith and archie towns the widow and son of the man arthur beats up early in the game adding to his untimely demise. This was a well-written, melancholic tale of regret, forgiveness and, well, redemption. So when I met Archie during a free-roaming binge that led me to Annersburg, I gladly helped him out and finally saw him and his mother head off towards a better life. I felt a warm sense of accomplishment, like I'd made a difference in a rotten world, somewhat redeeming Arthur in the face of death. However, a few hours later, a main story cutscene brought me back to Annersburg After which, another cinematic was immediately triggered. I saw an ashamed, sick-looking Edith Towns about to step into a cabin with a stranger. Back so soon, I thought, finding this turn of events too jarring to be true. And lo, some online research suggested the game had never actually processed my earlier free roam into Annisburg and showed me the opening cutscene of a side quest I'd already finished. In doing so, it inadvertently made it seem like Edith Towns had fallen back into a life of poverty and prostitution. You'd think playtesters play missions in different orders to avoid such an anachronism. No matter how often I told myself this was just a silly glitch, for the remainder of my playthrough I couldn't shake the feeling that Arthur Morgan had failed to redeem himself after all. <laughs> so this mission is, is almost, there's a secret mission with this. It's, it's, it doesn't show up on the map. It only triggers based on your, um, 
if you've got high morality. And so I, I, there might very well be a glitch with this, but it's, it's to do with if you've played it as a good guy, then this unlocks and you do find her and she's fallen into prostitution mm-hmm. and then you get to basically yeah. save her. Uh, the sec- well, not really a second time. Well, you, it's kind of a second time, but this time you make sure that they get out and you rescue a son from the mine and yeah. give him back. In, when you have like 30 hours between side quest it's hard to remember who was exactly, involved or yeah. what was going I think on yeah. yeah but this this is a very specific mission that's that's directly related to your sort of morality sort of setting so it's yeah and it is yeah. it is an unbelievably tragic mission i mean like even their their whole story because you know the idea that like you do the good thing at the end is like it feels so hollow, you know, it's like, mm. y- yes, you at the beginning, you took money from them. And at the end, you give them money. But it is clear in in Arthur's actions and in um, Edith and Archie's that like the, their their dad is dead. You know, there's there's no yeah. amount of of compensation that you can give them that's going to kind of repair their lives. And so. At the end, you do kind of send them off into doing something, but it doesn't. It doesn't feel good. Mm. You you don't feel like you yeah. made good on the situation. Yeah. So it's it's Arthur's line of "Don't thank me," and then yeah. like a few minutes later, they forget he said that and and thank him, yeah. and he angrily well, says, "Don't he thank does, me." Doesn't he? She 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 doesn't. She's like resolute in that that she won't yeah. forgive him because she says that when you fight rescue her from the the guys. Yeah, sorry, it, it was but it's it was like, her son. Yeah, yeah. Her son says it, and you feel yeah. like, yeah, and he's like, you know, I I told you not to, think, you know, just go, just mm. take the money and go. That, and and that line, just, de- that line delivery from yeah. uh, Roger <laughs> oh, is just like it, how how he's so so simultaneously like angry and also sad at the same time. Yeah. It's just like such a layered. It's like, you can hear the guilt, everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just that you feel it all weighing down on him and stuff. And I love, oh man, you see, I, you could, you could, you could literally take apart so many scenes like this mm. in in this game where he has these little moments with people, and it's just, god damn. Actually, while we're on, we haven't even got onto kind of tech and art yet. But what, if I was going to sort of bring one criticism into this area, is that I think like a lot of the facial stuff and animation is absolutely sublime but i think because the surroundings and the natural world that rockstar has made here looks so near photorealistic there are points where the character faces when they're not in the kind of super close-up uh models um are slightly uncanny valley for me just like just that giving that slight removal to the reality of things like i'm not saying it in any way spoiled my overall enjoyment but um i I just don't know if necessarily their kind of face tech is up with every with the tech they've got in every other area or whether it's just because it's it's the our brains process you know looking at faces in that very particular way i i mean it's it's the hardest, most expensive Absolutely. thing to render. Yeah. So, and 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 you know, with Naughty Dog games, their facial animation is prob you know it's probably the peak. Yeah. Uh, just from a like a you know you can have your subject subjective argument, sure. but from like a money and resource Absolutely, kind of standpoint, yeah. it's it's probably the pinnacle. Yeah. Mm. Um, and um, but their 
they're rendering worlds that are much smaller in scale. You know, they're like Uncharted game. Even when they have open levels, it's still a fraction of the size Mm -hmm. of what, you know, Rockstar is rendering here. And I think it's just a product of, we, yeah. you know, we've we've mastered like environments now. It's like, right, we got that. We can render it in an open world, and it looks incredible. But the faces, it's still just such a a taxing thing to render Absolutely. for and any it, engine. It's a super think, nitpicky thing, and I'm and it's not yeah. even like the stars, uh, the, the the main characters. I think have yeah. an extra level um, of this yeah. kind yeah. of. I remember um, obviously because it was recent, but in the final assault up the snowy mountain, Charles. Uh, gets taken down and and you're still in live gameplay as he's lying there writhing and shouting and it's it was absolutely like it was just spot on um but it's just the occasional you know kind of just odd Mm. moment of that face looks like a video game face and that and the fact that the rest of the game looks so astonishing that that's actually a thing that you think is yeah it's just testament to everything else really and there are moments you know again the i guess john and arthur have the most time and money spent on their faces and you know some of the quality of the the voice performances is sold even better by the fact that they've got that you know extra muscles in their face and extra twitches and extra glances and things compared to even the the second tier characters since you brought up musculature and stuff on the character animation one thing that they definitely didn't skimp on is the horse animation i think the horse faces as well are just ridiculous oh i mean I was wondering I don't if think that's I've cause... ever been so entranced by staring at a horse's ass for so long in a video game. It's like because uh, you're sitting there thinking, "Oh my god, look at the way the muscles and the the, the like everything's moving." That's incredible. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the only game. I, I'm not saying it's the only game because I've definitely, you know, even going back to things like Ocarina of Time, when when open worlds of that quality were still a new yeah. thing, and I would just stand there and look at stuff in awe, and now it looks incredibly basic. But this game, yes, I was standing in the... Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was just walking through a farm, and I walked into some stalls, and there were some donkeys, and I just watched the donkeys. <laughs> like, yeah. I was going, these... This is like... Dev- this is like witchcraft. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, the... The, the animation cycles they've got going on in these things, in these almost inconsequential elements within the world, they're so deep. Famously, yeah. the horse testicles uh, and the yeah. weather. Um, we sh- we, we've jumped forward because it's it's Sorry. very no, it's fine. It's very easy to do. Um, but I just want to uh, I want to bring us back to the, sort of rounding off story talk before we kind of mm-hmm. move on to the waxing lyrical about the game world uh, any further. Steve Aaron from the forum says not unlike the beautiful flower encased by arthur morgan's bedside red dead redemption 2 only truly bloomed for me on a second playthrough i was amazed with the tech on display and enjoyed my playthrough but despite a solid two weeks of gaming i still felt i'd rushed it leaving side missions unfinished and blasting through missions in the final act rather than savoring so i resolved that playthrough 2 was going to be all about moseying completing story missions when it felt right not just when they spawned on the map. And that's when I found out about the flower and the game completely unfurled into one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had. I won't spoil it for those who have yet to learn, but the flower had a backstory. It's revealed in a camp conversation between Arthur and Marybeth, in which she also unveils her hopes and dreams for the future. It was at that moment where I truly felt that these characters were real people, not simulations, with pasts, 
futures and softer sides to their hard edges, and once that hit me, I noticed it in everyone. This is only the second game I've ever cried at due to my attachment to the characters and their struggles. This made the ending credits especially poignant, all the surviving characters going on to live lives regardless of our interaction, though each tinted with the glaze of ennui in their eyes. Yeah, I never found out the flower, or I didn't pick up on the flower story. But I knew there was a reason for it because it was notable from early on in the camp. One of the, um, just before we move on, I think one of the reasons that this story feels so so immersive and so incredible is the amount of stuff they're letting, they're willing to let you miss is is just unprecedented. Oh. You know, the the yeah, yeah. those campfire scenes where every single character is having conversations with other characters the whole time and you can only see the ones that you can you know walk up to and so every conversation that you listen to you're missing three other conversations <laughs> and it's just mind-boggling <laughs> you know the we know how games are made yeah. and how how valuable resources are so the fact that they're willing to just let you miss broad swaths of conversation and acting and animation just kind of blows me away speaking to that i looked at the uh, achievement stat on xbox for how many people had successfully studied every animal in the game 0.09 percent <laughs> so well there's 178 of the damn things i know to find. Yeah. but that means and it's you know, not that yeah. means everyone's missing a bunch of animals so you know i mean i guess it's not all the same ones but again that speaks to that idea that there's a ton of stuff in there that the vast, oh, vast, God, vast the, majority of people are never even going to clock, especially so, the small animals. <laughs> I didn't know this until watching a video this afternoon. You know, when you first, when you first go to the Adler's um, camp and you first face off against those Driscolls and you go to the barn and that guy jumps you in the barn mm. and you fight him and then D um, Dutch says, do what you want with him, kill him, let him go, do what you want. I let him go, and I didn't know this. So you have that choice. You can beat him down, you can throttle him, you can just let him go, and off he runs. But when you, for, when you go as a gang to the O'Driscoll's camp, you find that guy there, and he's laughing and joking about being let go by you guys. And you can totally miss that conversation. It's going on, and you've got to really pay attention and zoom in with the binoculars, and it's the same guy having that conversation about that you let him go mm. and what a fool and all the rest of it. And it's just like, that's insane. Mm. I'm sitting there just, what the hell? Like, mm. and I make damn sure that the next time I play that, I am so going to throttle the <laughs> life out of him in that barn. But it's just like, but it's just that, it, it's that thing where you just realize how much they've, how much effort's gone into this. Like that isn't something you would even consider in a, you don't even know it. You know, there's so much of it. It's crazy. So after Arthur's story ends, I suppose I, 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 I kind of predicted this, but, and I suspect many people had, but it wasn't, it wasn't certain that it was going to happen, but you do take over as John Marston for the epilogues. But it's, and I've already spoken to this a bit, but it, as well as the length of the epilogues and there being a whole bunch of more story stuff, it even goes into kind of bone tomahawk territory with the, uh, with the even nastier than the Murphy brood, uh, uh, Skinner brothers gang. Um, 
and yeah various other story beats and it you know turns into a whole kind of family drama as well <laughs> and it's it, there's a bit of waltons in there um and uh as i said i like the continuity of the fact that john's actually inherited arthur's things and this journal which is also i mean an extraordinary artifact in itself the amount of effort that went into this journal that first arthur and then john keeps um even a lot of the most obscure and hidden away events in the game have journal entries to them with pictures and everything the throughout the arthur campaign you've you move from camp to camp to camp as you get chased around and, and scooted out. And there's this you know, fairly, again, something that you could spend a lot of time on kitting out the camp. Also just keeping it supplied with uh, food, medicine and ammo, um, which is actually taken out of your hands towards the end of the game. No matter how much money you've got, it um, they basically stop allowing you to, uh, to, to contribute because the story wouldn't work. So I... I'm slightly sort of uh, because I didn't I only made like one or two camp improvements. I I bought all the bits that you could to huh. kind of make it better, but I didn't I didn't spend loads of money on the cosmetic stuff. Um but I would imagine if you had invested a lot of time and money into that, the kind of disintegration of the gang and the camp would have had more of an impact emotionally. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I I I I totally um because I was so invested in those those people and yeah um and the better vision like the you know the the ideal version of that community rather than the reality of that community yeah i i did i did feel like arthur you know kind of role playing a little bit sure. i did feel like arthur would would invest all that time and money into improving stuff yeah. and and not and not just that just kind of like it seems so silly because I'm usually so ag against like busy work in in other <laughs> games, but I chopped wood and yeah, and gathered water, water and yeah. carried yeah. carried sacks Poo. around just because I felt like ah oh, I'm being a bit lazy. I should do it. I should do some chores mm. around the camp and help everyone out. And and it, it's entirely testament to. Like the feeling of community that that game creates, that I want to engage with mm. those those kind of busy work mechanics, and you this don't kind have of also to either. But I can understand why people yeah, yeah. hate that stuff, especially people who balk at walking simulators or just general yeah. interactive stories, yeah. the like of quant the like quantum remakes, but. It's one of those things that, you know, when you play a game and you you feel like your character's having an effect on the world and you're yeah. seeing the effect, you know, whether it's like with Crackdown where the litter would disappear and stuff like that. This has that same yes. effect. Yeah. It's like, you know, you you feel people are happier in the camp because they're yeah. fed and there's stuff to, you know, you're buying them stuff and stuff. Yeah. It, it's, it's just, it, it makes you feel good when you go there because, you know. Yeah, and there's some instances yeah. of, of actual, like, benefit of doing it so yeah, yeah. i seem mm. to recall sitting down playing poker in the original camp and certain um poker players so some of the members of the camp will actually give you sort of small very discreet side missions i think uncle gave me one to go and fetch a nautical compass at one point yeah just little bits and bobs like that mm. yeah and and i i know this was a point of contention for some people but like constantly having to clean Arthur Morgan and <laughs> and trim his beard and cut his hair and brush his horse and, <laughs> and all of that stuff 
just help me invest in the world more. I I never begrudged having to brush my horse's mane because the the horse clearly was you know it needed a clean and he's dirty so and and I like my horse and he's he's a good boy and yeah. I want to make sure he's clean. These are real role playing things and yeah. again they're things yeah. that I can totally understand that some people will just be like no I do not play video games to do this stuff. But for other people, yeah. it's kind. Of, it's actually oh, I totally do exactly. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a marmite um, kind of thing. I think. Um, and of course, as I keep saying, you don't have to do it. You can be a dirty, slovenly so and so with a beard and yeah. smell and have a grubby <laughs> horse, and you'll have a slightly different gaming experience. So by and all means, Davy Crockett hat. Yeah. yeah for sure. Can we talk about the horses? Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Just <laughs> just in terms of like building a relationship with horses. So I had several horses throughout my uh, time there. I had my original horse Keith. And then I had a horse called Sea Biscuit, and then I ran out of names. So I had horse uh, Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday, Thursday, and now I finally settled on Friday. And um, for love and money, I couldn't keep any of them alive because really? I found that they would constantly have a, a will of their own and just throw themselves off train tracks, off cliffs, and and every. Mm, I guess the less time you keep a horse, the more of a mind of its mm. own you you have. I, yeah, I had the same horse. Yeah, throughout. that's that's shocking yeah. to yeah. me. <laughs> you went through the whole. Week. <laughs> and again, talking about. Emotional investment. Um, I had Albion, the the mare with the Shire horse type feet, which seemed to be appropriate for a big lunk like Arthur. Uh, she lasted all the way through the game, and so when it was when she, uh, even though he'd just been gunning down horses willy nilly with a Gatling gun, just moment. it wasn't your horse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Luna narrative doesn't. Um, but yes, when he thanked Albion at the end, that was uh, it's a good you know it's a, it's a classic thing to tug at the heartstrings kill a horse or a dog but you know but it but it did worked. did anyone else end oh, up God. with a mule the the horse from the uh kind of like veteran that you go hunting with i did i, I did own it but i never used it because i was too attached to because i had now. i think i had a horse recently die and then i and then i got a new one and i got the new one shortly before i found buell and so i was like ah this you know i i want to honor this guy and this seems like a better horse and yeah. so and so then i went with buell through the end of the game and so then yeah. seeing him die at the end uh, of, oh the the uh, a game where several tears were shed none more so than than him saying <laughs> you dragged thank that you. poor horse into your adventures yes. uh, against its will mm. Yes, uh, I didn't really spend, you know, there's an enormous amount of stuff that you can do with horses, managing horses and saddles and things, which I didn't engage with loads, but it's all it's all there if you want it. This was the piece that I referred to earlier, Alex79UK. I'm bitterly disappointed that Rockstar have totally abandoned single player story DLC, first with Grand Theft Auto 5 and now this. Not everyone can or wants to get heavily involved in the online side of things, but I so desperately wanted to return to that world and play around some more as John or Sadie or any one of the characters introduced in the game. We could have had the Blackwater heist, Sadie's bounty hunting adventures. The possibilities were endless. The GTA 4 add-ons were some of the best parts of the game, and it's just a damn shame that Rockstar didn't feel like they wanted to tell any more stories after the closing credits. We talked about, in the original game, the they were probably slightly more front and center overall in Red Dead Redemption. They are here, but the supernatural elements have actually been kind of expanded upon in this game. Uh, See Mia, 
from the forum says, My most cherished aspect of Red Dead Redemption 2 is its dark, supernatural underbelly. Suffice to say that if you thoroughly explore the map at varying times of day and night, you'll be richly rewarded with images and stories from beyond our world. The game is, among many other things, one of the great supernatural westerns, so long as you know when and where to look. Rockstar have previous form in this department, with Undead Nightmare being the most pertinent example, but they never went all in quite like this before. This is their Symphony of the Night. Flip its world upside down and there's another story waiting to be told. I hear and understand the many fans who are calling out for another Undead Nightmare, another alternate universe. Open your eyes. It's already there. What a, what a good forum this. post. <laughs> Great job, Simi. Uh, so yeah, you can encounter a vampire, a time traveller, aliens, zombies. Uh, there's a blind prophet who you do come across, uh, or you probably yeah. will come across in the course of the story, the fortune teller. But there's also huge, uh, it leans into the, the strange man from the previous game who was you know, largely understood to be a deity of either evil or not evil intent, depending on what how you interpreted it but i think yeah. i think he was the devil personally and he's not only that i went into the so if you go into um armadillo which is the town from the previous game it's uh it's come down with cholera in this game uh most of the doors are sealed up people are being burned in the streets and uh, it's it's quite a scene but the shop's open the shop the shopkeeper hasn't got cholera and you're john marston at this point of course and he just says, who's that picture you got up there behind you? He's like, oh, it's just some guy I knew. And John Marston's like, I have, a, I have the strangest feeling I know him. And you look up mm. and it's the strange man from the previous game. And there's mm. also a cabin with a painting of the strange man that fills itself in as time goes on, I believe. Yeah. Loads of creepy stuff. There's a ghost that you can encounter 16 times. There's a kind of, yeah, like... Um, shuffling creepy type who came across any of this stuff and does it excite you as much as it does me i didn't come across any I, of it come, and that's yeah. really exciting to me the idea that like <laughs> it's so well hidden that i spent a hundred hours here and i never saw any of it i started the vampire because that's a quest line on that there's a very um okay there is a sort of a kind of a quest going on with that. And I know I started that, but I couldn't, I, I just couldn't figure out what to do oh, next. Okay. The alien spaceship. Two or UFOs. The cabin, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the first one, the one that shines the green light through the, the sea, I've done that one, but that's it. But the zombies, the rest of it, nothing. Okay. The blind prophet, I did find you do some come zombies. Across, yeah. Yeah. The, the blind prophet's kind of somebody who you, it's triggered, you can it? ride right past him yeah, yeah, and yeah. totally ignore him. But he, because he's talking, very loudly as you ride near him, you can hear him. So I always got off and chatted to the yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. And he gives yeah. you the prompts and stuff. Yeah. So, you know. Yes. Yeah, it's just packed with it. I mean, there's the, the man-made mutant quest line. Um, oh, God, the robot and the Tesla. Oh, yeah. The the there's Tesla a wolf boy, guy the I think, as well. Row. Yeah. Yeah. Now him. Yeah, I found him and I shot him because he attacked me. Well, and he's with two wolves and you chase him down. And, yeah, you've got to you, – you, you find him. He's by the river. Well, I came across him by a river. And he was with two wolves, and then suddenly he runs off screaming. So I chased him just because I thought, that looks like it means something. So I got yeah. off the horse, ran around, and I went into a cave, and he was there with the two wolves, one side by side. And then the wolves attacked me, so I just had to shoot everybody. Um, 
and yeah that was the end of that quest line that was but there is this whole thing of and then you come across like you know some kind of either a book or some kind of mention of some guy who's a half wolf guy living out in the forest somewhere and you think ah oh, that's who he was <laughs> but it's like yeah there's just it's literally packed to the gills with this stuff but not to the point where you can't you miss come it. Across it all the time. No, <laughs> you can miss he, it all totally, in a hundred hours. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's nuts. Um, but it's you know, I, I I guess it's there for lots of different reasons. Um, partly probably because they enjoy putting it there. Um, yeah. As a as a collective, but also it creates great uh, YouTube content for you know to keep their game kind of in the conversation and news yeah. articles and all this kind of thing. But yeah, I I mean, it's. It's, I love it, but it's also frustrating because this is not a game where you can just, you get like 50,000 icons on the map, go here and you will trigger this thing. Like this stuff, obviously it is, it's reacting to the player at certain times and places, but that said, you can still avoid a lot of it unwittingly. We will talk a bit more about the actual gameplay, but if you're the kind of person who doesn't really care about just being in a video game simulated world and you have to have either you know constant different things happening or super deep twitch based gameplay systems or whatever this stuff is going to mean less to you but if you're like me and you just enjoy being in a beautifully rendered world with you know probably the you know the most high tech tech that's gone into something like this so far, something that's truly huge and interactive, and you're just happy to watch the sky change colour and the lighting and the weather and, and all that stuff. Uh, we have Pecan Pie from the forum says, having grown up hiking and fishing in Idaho and Montana, the natural landscapes of the American West has always been a respite from the stress of modern life. Video games have also been an escape, so it was a joy to find the two combined in Red Dead Redemption 2. This scratched a gaming itch I didn't know I had hiking simulator i still fire this up and wander through the grizzlies taking in vistas making a pot of coffee and casting a line as i get a small dose of the feeling when doing this in real life as wild places places are always under threat of disappearing i'm all for capturing a digital version in perpetuity while also fighting to maintain what we have left the sun never rises the same way twice in this game and it is the yeah. most incredible thing to have been playing this game for what feels like weeks and get a combination of fog and bright sun and like you know snow crystals in the air or something that you've never seen before mm. and i remember th there were actually complaints when near the game came out that said the sunrises are too short <laughs> you know in like in the in the <laughs> right, witcher right. the sunrises and sunsets are about half the day and you're you're just bathed in that kind of like red light but it's just mm. it is it is like the real life magic of these kind of things where you just get these perfect little moments. Um, there's there's an American painting school called the the Hudson River School. That's kind of the official it's kind of the official art style of Manifest Destiny. And so it doesn't have, you know, great political <laughs> ramifications, but it, it draws the West in kind of the way that you feel like it looks like rather than the way it actually is and so the the mountains mm -hmm. look miles tall and they seem to just kind of sprout out of nowhere and the lighting is always just perfect 
And that's kind of what I feel like the landscape of this game looks like that that it is it is how you feel the how you feel the landscape when you're there even if you know the actual satellite imagery or something would show you a slightly less dramatic reading that it just it just captures the emotion of this landscape so perfectly so i've seen this game running on uh jay's ps4 at 1080p and it looked fantastic like it looks great and uh and absolutely you know whatever version you're playing it's going to look amazing but i can't quite get over what playing this game on the xbox one x and i know pc gamers will now be able to have it in even higher resolutions and frame rates and and whatever else but for me the the best i've seen it so far is on the xbox one x on my 4k tv i've never seen anything that is as spellbinding as this as breathtaking and as jaw-dropping in a video game it nothing has ever sucked me in in terms of a game world like this and honestly even if this game was nothing but just riding around i still would have happily bought it It wouldn't have been as good without all the stuff to do um, but yeah. I still would have got a lot out of it just being in it. Even if, you know, yeah. maybe you could just set up a camp once in a while. Just minimal interaction would have been, still would have been, for me, because it just that everything about it is so utterly spellbinding. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I know your distaste for hyperbole, so I'm going to take that just as a sort it. of yeah. given. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah. But I, I imagine that it's true. Um, just anecdotally, when, obviously, again, just to touch on this, we're not here to discuss the multiplayer, but when the multiplayer did come out, the, the content was pretty scant. And I know oh, Jay yeah. and I used to have a habit of pitching up on one part of the map and just drawing a line between one point and the next and spending the next two or three hours just <laughs> migrating from one area to the other yeah. and just enjoying all of the content in between there and it was just some mm. of the most cathartic relaxing and just interesting uh, multiplayer sessions i think i've ever had but i've got to say i don't think a single game has ever made me feel as guilty about shooting stuff as this oh, yeah. game has done because they're so and nice just... looking the animals yeah oh god but but it's like um if you shoot a deer or anything, oh, but you only wing, wing it in yeah. the back leg or something, mm. and it's there writhing around on the ground, making all kinds of horrific noise. Yeah. And then you have to kind of, you know, go up and put the knife in and stuff, or, or you can just shoot it straight again. It mm. doesn't, you know. And then the skinning animation, you know. I was going to say um, about that. I love that. Now, I'm a vegetarian. Yeah, I've been uh, a vegetarian yeah. for most of my life. Yeah. I think that I much prefer the, the unsubtle... The, yeah, even though it's obviously yeah. it's still very yeah. quick and neat compared to the real thing but the fact that it doesn't shy away from how grotesque a skinned animal looks to me yeah. is actually a, a much more honest way of doing that uh, and i suppose that leads us neatly onto the diegetic sound and the foley um i mean i don't know what to say other than wow. it's just all like it's credible yeah, yeah it's just yeah. it's all yeah. there it's all there and there's i can't think of a moment where i thought I guess maybe if you take in the audio, um, the the speech, sometimes they still have the problem when you're both riding on horses or people are outside. It's quite hard to get the sense that the audio is actually going into the open air, if you know what I mean. It yeah. sounds a bit studio-ish at times, but the actual, the sound of the grass, the wind, the animals and all that, and the, the guns, um, just just perfect as far as I can work out. This, this game does a similar 
thing to another open world that um I really love um Breath of the Wild in in regards to sound where um the music in Red Dead Redemption 2 is really is really great but it's used sparingly like it they just know when to just completely ease off and let the environment be the soundscape um and and you know this is something Breath of the Wild does brilliantly as well as just having those piano stings but then just letting the wilderness kind of be the soundscape and i just really appreciate that confidence of not needing to you know mute and i I don't say emotional manipulation in a negative sense music in games and films is used to you know emotionally program you for what is happening i just respect the confidence of going you know this is enough this is enough to create a feeling without that assistance and just letting letting the chirps of birds and the 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 wind in the trees kind of do the do the heavy lifting for us uh so yeah woody jackson uh is the main score uh artist um but also there's a huge well not huge but a large i would say number of songs uh for which they brought in uh daniel lanois and he collaborated himself with uh, some well-known artists like Josh Om and uh, Willie Nelson, the legend, of course, and D'Angelo. Um, Pecan Pie from the forum said, I must mention the brilliance of D'Angelo, May I Stand Unshaken song and ride combo. The gameplay was a boring ride that I'd done a hundred times at that point, but the combo of the night lighting, cinematic camera, narrative arc, and that damn song had my arms prickling with the emotional weight. May I stand unshaken amid, amidst a crashing world. Yeah, I, I, I just, uh, with the credits rolling the other night, which is, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't time it. I guess it's about 25 minutes or something. I don't know, including the cutscenes and, yeah. yeah. and all the, the just the, the, all the songs come back in and possibly some pieces that weren't either used in the game or were only used in, in passing all play one after the other. And some of it's just beautiful, like breathtaking stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, I actually came away just thinking, um, I just want to listen to the soundtrack. An area that has received criticism really from release day onwards in some quarters is the actual gameplay, uh, the controls, controlling your characters, your avatars and everything in the world. And generally the UI wrestling with menus and button combos and action wheels and, and all kinds of things. Senor B123 from the forum says the storytelling and characters in this game are incredible. The environment and attention to detail are just amazing. I've never really gotten into Rockstar games, whether it be GTA, Bully or the first Red Dead. I still don't. The game is well made. I can feel the love that went into its creation. I just can't stand the actual process of playing it. Everything is an absolute chore to do. Riding from one mission to the next is tedious. And while there's plenty to do along the way to the next mission, I didn't find myself interested in any of the extra stuff. I mean, I still have issues selecting items from the wheel sometimes, <laughs> but after putting this game down several times and coming back, um, I pretty much overall got a grip on all the controls. It pretty much does rely on having the button prompts on screen, which maybe isn't the best thing because that is a bit of an immersion breaker at times, I think. Um, but, uh, it was, there's so much that you can actually do in this game. It's hard to, 
it's hard to know how they could have refined or made a more elegant I just, UI. Uh, yeah, I just don't think there's enough buttons on the controllers anymore. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, a because I think with the well, I'm curious with the PC version because you can I I assume you can program everything into specific keys. Mm. So you can hotkey the whole thing You'd up. You'd play it with a controller is, still, though, wouldn't you? Probably. Well, you could do, yeah. But, it, but it, well, you know, you could play with a controller for movement, but you could have it, say, touch to the keyboard so you can just quickly press stuff Possibly, to do stuff. Possibly, yeah. Rob. I don't know. But um, I don't know. It's it's curious because I sometimes think that myself when you've got to go into, like, bring up a menu wheel and, and choose from that. I'm just thinking, you know, they're finding interesting ways to work around the fact that there's only... I mean, the 17, I think, what is it, 17 buttons on a control, on your average like controller? Yeah. That it's like, but it still doesn't feel like it's enough. Yeah, and it's time. also just actually remembering kind of where everything is in the game. Like, obviously, yeah. there's icons on the map, but like, how do I access these weapons? Where are my clothes? And sort of, how do oh, I yeah. cycle between yeah. my... Yeah, it took me a while to figure out how I put my hat back on. Yeah, for exactly. All that kind of stuff. And it's, it, yeah. it is, a it, again, it this world that we've already said kind of sucks us in so hard, then it kind yeah. of puts this barrier up of these quite clunky controls. And I think also a lot of people had problems with the character controllers. And this is something that was often leveled at The Witcher as well. Witcher 3 is a sort of slightly ungainly and unwieldy person. And again, that can occasionally cause immersion sapping stuff by having, you know, glitchy animations or, you know, not not walking in exactly the right place. And I can forgive all that stuff, I guess, you know, because I've been playing since the year dot but again like these little niggles are to me stand out in such an amazing product and to some people they're actively like off-putting well this happens to sometimes disastrous and hilarious effect at the same point so if i remember correctly the the biggest game changer in terms of mechanics in this game is the ability to antagonize or greet someone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it's mapped to the same button as the draw your weapon mm-hmm. and point it at them. And so many is the time I've antagonized, I don't know, a pig farmer because I just want to see what his reaction is. I've pulled my gun on him, yep. and then five minutes later, I've got a posse on me with a $250 bounty <laughs> that I can't get rid of. Even with all the confusion, that, that interact button, the kind of talk to people button, is my favorite gameplay edition in this game and almost like breath of the wilds climbing it's a feature that i want to see in like every single game now because it it just makes the world feel so much more real and it doesn't it doesn't matter how many npcs you put on screen if i can't do anything with any of them so even being able to just say howdy to to like everyone I'm walking past is is so much better than not being able to say anything at all. It was it was really yeah. a kind of game yeah, maker yeah. for me. It is. Yeah. It is amazing how much of a scene setter it is. Like when you first go into like area for the first time you go into a town like Strawberry or something and you start greeting people and they're all very cautious about you and some are like cre- really quite curt in their responses mm. and and stuff but it's like you know, it, it it creates this sort of interesting sort of dynamic that I, you don't get unless you've got that feature in there. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, I, with the controls, I, I feel like I'm I'm going to play devil's advocate again like I did with the the uh, uh, the fragile weapons in Breath of the okay. Wild. I, I, I get it. Like, it's not like the shooting, for example, gets a lot of criticism yep. in this game, but I like that the more you use a, a certain set of revolvers, the more accurate um, Arthur gets because yeah. of his, 
you know, familiarity. Mm-hmm. And I think if if the combat was if it was long drawn out affairs with enemies, if like if the health bars of these cowboys was you know it was more like destiny or something like that where you know they it took all it took a number of bullets to take those people down that would irritate me but you you pair that kind of awkwardness can do though and that weight with the lethality Mm. of the the revolvers the fact that the headshot oh yeah it's just an instant death and just taking the time to line up that shot perfectly and then execute it kind of, I don't know, again, like everything else that you, you do in the camp and you do with the horse, that little bit of awkwardness mm. actually sold me on the world a little bit more. And I and I kind of like that stuff, even though it can create those moments of awkwardness and uh, silliness. Yeah, I kind of I agree. think the, 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 the gun combat is fine. And uh, I, I think from a immersion point of view, there are certain scenes where it gets ludicrous how many people get slaughtered in a gunfight that's a a video game thing um and pecan pie on the subject of uh shooting people by mistake says this is the first rockstar game i've played where i wanted to keep order in the world the sardonic tone of gta 5 led me to participate in disrupting its world in chaos without feeling remorse red dead redemption 2's world has a sense of fragility and innocence that i wanted to preserve and the pangs of guilt I felt when I fumbled my greeting and shot a citizen dead in the street stuck with me. Did Rockstar intentionally obfuscate those controls to cause my moral crisis? Crossed my mind too, but I hope not. <laughs> I think it comes back to that, that point that I made at the very beginning, though. Like, you might want to play as a, a renegade or as a rebel or somebody who just wants to disrupt everything. The, 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 the back-end mechanics sort of pull you into compliance and make you play Arthur in a sort of more, I don't know, like central type of role at the same point. So, yeah, it's a great forum post. Mark Hoog from the forum says, I somehow never managed to fully internalise the game's controls. I couldn't get my head around the inconsistencies in the crime system. And if there is a way to ditch obsolete guns or set a certain bullet type as default I sure, I sure as heck never found it so in the end I never really felt in control of the game I felt even less in control when I'd stopped free roaming to do a story mission that insta failed the second I strayed an inch from its objectives like with GTA 5 playing Red Dead Redemption 2's campaign often feels like a giant tutorial that never lets you ride with the training wheels off on top of that an early bank heist landed me with enough cash to last me the rest of the game not only did this render Dutch's whining about more money all the more frustrating, it also diminished my incentive to do side stuff like hunting for luxurious pelts or robbing trains. It just wasn't worth the hassle anymore. Any sympathies with uh, Mark Hoog's plight there? Well, you do really. get you do get quite a <laughs> lot of money early on, and it is it is kind of interesting. I mean, I guess you can spend it at camp, but if you don't, then then you are walking yeah. around with about as much as you need to, you know, buy buy ammo and health and whatever you need for the rest of the game. Um, but I feel like it's another just kind of like test of the character. Like, well, Arthur, are you going to keep all that for yourself, or are you going to help everyone else out? This is an interesting post. I think Stanshall from the forum says. As a mechanical creation, as a plaything, Red Dead Redemption 2 is both convoluted and shallow. Simple tasks like picking up the correct item from a table or hitching your horse can be frustrating and laborious. There are so many mundane interactions with the world which seem needlessly involved, whether this is milking a cow, eating an apple or handing in loot for the camp kitty. 
And yet, over time, you come to appreciate the deliberate pacing and weight of these everyday actions as you begin to inhabit the world and the characters. These controls have personality. While this might sound like apologist nonsense, I will go further. After a couple of years of falling off narrative-driven games and finding open worlds a chore, I had concluded that my tastes had simply changed and that I could only be satisfied by a more pure arcade experience and that responsive mechanics and deep scoring challenges were all that pushed my buttons anymore. Purely for the podcast and prompted by the enthusiasm of fellow forumite Alex79UK, I decided to give this another chance and mainline the story. Over the space of four days, Rockstar made me completely reevaluate my tastes and reminded me of the incredible breadth and depth of the medium. This is all down to the richly complex, engaging characters and to the staggering, absorbing world where their bittersweet drama plays out. Nice. Hmm. Uh, David Rush from the forum says, The game has been criticised for having details that are unnecessary from the lengthy looting animations of the fallen the graphic harvesting routine of hunted wildlife, the rummaging through internal environments, and let's not forget the shrinking horse testicles. Yes, it is cold. In other open world games, you hold said button for a short period next to something or someone and immediately inherit their bounty. Testicle physics notwithstanding, I rather enjoyed the in-depth animations as this level of realism added to the authenticity of the world, making my plundered bounties feel all the more deserved. One shortcoming the game does have is the hand-holding in the main missions. Too often I felt constrained by the developer's requirement for me to stand on place X at a specified time, and given the freedom you have to roam and explore every corner of the map, you are a prisoner to the restrictions of game design. Surprising that the main design feature of the game's narrative is the thing that breaks the experience at times for me. I think that's a totally fair criticism. Um, I, I felt like I had less friction with the mission design as the game went on, but I think that's only because I learned mm. what was expected of me. Um, and and several times in the first couple hours of the game, I just stepped outside of the bounds of a mission and instantly failed it and found it very frustrating. Something similar from Peak on Pie to what I was saying. I didn't find it laborious, the gunfighting, that is, the combat but also didn't find myself smiling with joy gunning down Pinkertons. I yearn for more reward or for exploration. I was hoping that getting a gunslinger's revolver would have been noticeable, would have noticeable impact on my play, but I didn't really notice any difference besides switching between sidearms and longarms depending on my position. I did have, uh, I mean, the, you've got the almost Fallout 3 style kind of uh, cinematic kill cams. You can, there's a lot of, menu options that we haven't possibly got time to go into but you you can tweak a lot of this stuff that we're talking about uh by default you get these sort of cinematic kills sepia toned um which you may or may may or may not be to your taste personally um i quite enjoy them uh, seeing where the bullet went in and the blood spray uh jacob made a video about this particularly in, in as regards to headshots um and i had one towards the end of the game that was just spectacular um I, often it's quite cool sometimes they're a bit underwhelming but this one actually as i was shooting the guy's ai guy his horse obviously ai guy his horse hit a tree trunk and he flew up in the air and so as the bullet is entering his skull he's actually flying off his horse at the same time and that was one of those moments where i actually kind of whooped out loud in the room because it was so cool mm. um but yeah, again, like I I enjoyed the combat. 
and it sounds great. The sound is important. You know, like so even though I think like that it's not deep. The the actual combat in this game is I don't think there's anyone could argue it was deep. But it is like it does feel to me like being in a kind of, you know, a root and toot and wild west shootout. Much as the first game did, to be fair. Minor Willy from the forum from the early 80s on the spectrum as well. It is so difficult to strike the right balance between the freedom of a vast sandbox and the narrative impetus necessary to drive a story over several dozen hours that time and time again Rockstar show themselves capable of the task. What I love about this studio more than any other is that they don't cut corners, they don't scrimp on voice acting, they don't duplicate assets. And this, combined with the incredible attention to detail that they have for everything from individual bird sounds to the way empty cases erratically eject themselves from guns as you're firing, gives their open world games a level of polish that I think everyone else can only aspire to. I think what sold the game to me at the second time of asking was the Vandalin gang themselves. At first I'd written the camp off as a mission select and resupply area. Once I stopped to talk to the NPCs there, the quality of the casting, the acting, the animation and the conversation logic meant that I started to care about my companions on missions and developed real feelings, both positive and negative, about my fellow gang members. Sadie Adler, in particular, I found to be a wonderfully well-written character with genuine depth and much as I'll always love John Marston, I do kind of wish that it had been Sadie who we got to play as during the epilogue and the post-game. I agree. They would have had to remodel all the clothes and stuff for her size and shape, which is probably why, even if they thought about it, um, that it would have been prohibitive. But uh, actually completing the game to 100%, so I'm on 84 to 85% at this point, but now everything I do, the ticker goes up like 0.1%. Um, there was a article in Games Radar recently about uh, one of the writers there, Dave Meikleham, who has been obsessively trying to get that 100%. And it is an almighty task. Uh, there are 200 species of animals, as we've said, 30 different fish, 29 legendary animals to hunt and kill. Um, amusingly, one of the animals is, an, is the opossum, which will famously play dead when approached. And if you have the auto aim switched on, Arthur won't aim his weapon. Um, but one of the things you have to do to 100% the game is kill it at the exact moment that it starts to play dead or something along those lines. Um, there are all these challenges among in various categories of banditry, explorer, gambler, herbalist, horseman, master, hunter, sharpshooter, survivalist, weapons expert. Uh, and all this, you know, you are literally talking potentially weeks of real-time gameplay of grinding out these extra bits and bobs. Uh, the reward is a scene on a, upon 100% depicting John Marston visiting Arthur Morgan's grave after getting revenge on Micah. And John looks at the grave and says, I guess we're just about done, my friend. They added photo mode, which was very... Yay. So this came late in the year, about a year after the game's release on PS4. and just yeah. early this year on xbox one and i haven't actually looked where how you access this because you you carry a little camera around with you most of the game don't you but it's just a little like box yeah. brownie possibly anachronistic but functional but this is yeah, a proper i photo hated mode. that yeah i hated that camera yeah. <laughs> i couldn't bear it using it because i just i mean you use it for certain missions or whatever and then it's done with and I was, I, and it's it's interesting because when we, this game came out, I was sitting there bemoaning the fact that it did a game this good looking, this amazingly 
sort of detail visual world and there's no photo mode it felt like a complete waste but um yeah a year later they added it and to access it you, ba- you basically press the pause button the options button on the ps4 controller mm-hmm. and then touch the t- uh the touchpad oh, okay and that brings up the photo mode and then it's basically a really well um functional yeah. uh detail you know it, it, it's got everything in there that I'd want from a photo mode. Um, no scrimping on features at all. And I'm amazed that it... I mean, I mean I'm sure that the, the the fundamentals were in there from the beginning, but yeah, they just... I know there's part of me, I was debating this recently, and it feels it's probably a good idea to just leave stuff to one side for when it feels right to release it. Like the idea of putting this in... I'm glad they did not put this in day one mm. because I would have... It would have totally ruined the, the the playthrough for me because I would have been as I am with this current playthrough, which is stopping every sixty seconds or so yeah. to take a picture. And it, I don't, sometimes I don't even take a picture, but I'm stopping to see if the light's right, if the angle's right, if that looks good on as a shot. And if it does, then I take a picture. If not, I carry on. But this is how the game's going. And so the idea of playing it through the first time with this, no, absolutely not. Don't 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 ruin it for yourself. But so I'm glad they put it in a year later. And a year later, I put the game back in, reinstall it, try this mode out, and I'm just gobsmacked, floored yet again, because it's it feels like I'm looking at it once again with fresh eyes, and all you know, all the little details that I'd forgotten about all coming back to me and thinking, oh god, yeah, this and and that. You're playing it Look at differently that. with Arthur. Not particularly, but it's it's. I think with the photo mode, it, it, I'm I'm. It's specifically I'm playing it to try and take pictures. Mm. So it's like you're... And this is where I, a real appreciation of the amount of detail in when you go in the shop and you're looking at all the shelves and you you zoom in right in on the labelling and stuff and the pictures behind the, the counter and, the, you know, just the, the grain on the wood and floors and stuff like that that I'm just thinking, and the, the way the light's shining through the windows and stuff like that. I'm, I'm just... I can't express enough how uh, how i appreciate this stuff how much i how much i appreciate the efforts it has taken to make this you know it's i know it's it, it's like all games look amazing these days but this just it's it's incredible work it's yeah stunning so we've got a few wrap-ups or consolidated thoughts from our forumites about red dead redemption 2 and their experience before we have your three word reviews and our own summaries Deadpool Negative says, I'm not really sure what my problem with Red Dead Redemption 2 really is. I just feel like there's something missing. I enjoy parts of it, but there's annoying feeling that this could be better, or at the very least, less boring and sombre. Minor Willy says, Red Dead Redemption 2 probably isn't my absolute favourite game of the many hundreds I've played in the last few decades, but it's definitely in the conversation. On a purely technical level, though, it's almost certainly the most impressive. Alex79UK says Red Dead Redemption 2 is my favourite game of all time. I was donated a copy by a very generous forum member and it came at a time where I was personally in a pretty low place and needed something big to escape into. I couldn't have found a more perfect antidote to life. This game is just utterly magnificent. The world felt as real as any place I've ever visited and the characters like real people I knew. The writing is fantastic throughout and the story really struck me with its twists and turns, highs and lows and has stuck with me ever since. It was a perfect character arc, 
and the epilogue felt both nostalgic and optimistic, despite us knowing full well of the eventual outcome. The game itself was a joy to play. I could go on for hours, but I'll mention one story here. I awoke early one morning down in the swamps and took two horses up north for a hunting expedition. We rode up throughout the morning and arrived around lunchtime. I set up camp and went fishing for some dinner. After snacking on some fresh fish and coffee, I took my rifle along with one of the horses and headed up to the mountain. After an afternoon of stalking my prey, I bagged myself a bear and an elk. I loaded up the horses and rode back down to camp as the sun set. I lay the skins down next to the frozen lake and indulged in a spot of night fishing, catch myself some tea. Fish and whiskey saw the night off and I lay down to sleep. The next morning I rode back into town to sell my wares. As I made my way back to the main camp, my friends all greeted me and I them. It was one of the most satisfying couple of hours I've ever had with a game. Nothing scripted, nothing mission-based making me do it. I just planned a day's activity and went about my business. It just highlights the freedom of the game. Go anywhere, do anything. I was Arthur Morgan. I was a cowboy. I didn't just enjoy this game. I absolutely adored it. Sometimes something comes along and you can't imagine how anything will ever top it. One day I'll look back on the games I've played over the years and if there has been anything between then and now which made me feel so passionately about a game, I shall be very surprised. I wouldn't change a thing about Red Dead Redemption 2. For me, personally, it was just about as perfect as a game can get. Who paid you to write that review, Alex79UK? I think that's the, uh, the chorus from the, uh, the Metacritic gang and the forum commenters, Facebook commenters the world over. And finally, David Rush. I loved Red Dead Redemption 2 from start to eventual finish. Despite the culmination of the game feeling like the final entry in the Lord of the Rings saga, ending several times over, it was a triumph in character development, storytelling and world building. It set the scene for the events to follow in the original Red, Red Dead Redemption of 2010. To truly capture my feelings for the game, I will leave you with my time spent at Watson's cabin. While exploring the world in those early hours with Arthur, I came across a little cabin tucked away on the side of a hill in West Elizabeth. Upon entering, I was greeted by an elderly lady who, after some initial amusing dialogue, became increasingly agitated by my presence. Feeling threatened, I hogtied her, dumped her, bound and screaming in the cellar, and helped myself to a shotgun. I ret <laughs> This is really dark. <laughs> I returned a little while later to see if she had gotten free. As I entered, I was pushed back from the door and greeted by four very angry men. Entering dead-eye mode, I dispatched my would-be foes and decided that I should cover my tracks. Believing the cellar too small to take my latest victims, I circled the property in search of a suitable place, only to stumble upon a grave, clearly belonging to the old lady. I placed the bodies of what turned out to be her four sons with their mother and left. This unexpected emergent micro-narrative that had no impact on the main narrative astounded me as it was completely there for me to find or miss entirely a touch of brilliance from the masters of open world storytelling even if the vandalind gang acknowledge that they live in a world that don't want us no more i hope rockstar have the good sense to let the old west live on for generations to come a must play masterpiece well i reckon that beats your uh, murder in the father story anyway <laughs> at least mine was an accident <laughs> Jesus, yeah, yours David. was nice. He just slaughtered an entire, mm. you know, couple of generations. Very dark then. version of Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> Phew. Um, okay, we also have uh, some a selection of three-word reviews. 
Okay, Ironed Fleming says, Amazing, aggravating, disappointing. Marcus Morales, so damn slow. Black 39 says, Fix the combat! <laughs> nice anger. Wayward Prophet says, Lenny! 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 Minor Willy, and I apologise because I'm not sure how this is going to land with my accent, is, uh, you're okay, girl. Mark Hoogland says, easy there, boy. Uh, Stanchel, all them years. Pecan Pie says, vaccinate your kids. <laughs> Justin Howard says, my favourite Western. <laughs> I don't know what I did. <laughs> <laughs> Alex79UK says, epic, beautiful, incredible. Yes, uh, with apologies to all Americans. Uh, uh, I accept, accept that. One. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, we realised uh, we were talking about, uh, we were speculating as to Arthur Morgan's ethnicity or nationality, as it were. Of course, he's Welsh um, or he's of Welsh extraction with a name like Arthur Morgan. And it turns out that um, Roger Clark was indeed, is, it the, is indeed at least somewhat Welsh. Um, he, was, uh, he was at university, at least in Glamorgan in cardiff so that makes sense right uh so how to summarize obviously we always knew this was going to be an epic show if there's something that really important and pertinent that you haven't said and sums up your feelings about red dead redemption 2 now is the time rich so i mean i could lavish effusive praise upon the game but i think it's important that i just sort of highlight some of the things that really stand out to me so i actually play quite a lot of open world games and whenever i'm playing an open world game i'm looking for that point at which you've broken the spine of the game almost where you've done everything that there is that needs to be done and you feel inclined just to either sort of turn it off or mainline the main quest in order to get through it and i think red dead redemption 2 is a game that took me the longest to reach that part I'm not even sure that I ever did reach that part and so maybe 50, 60 hours have evaporated from my life and, and I'm uh, just thankful that it exists. Um, I think there's a sort of density about the game that makes it quite unappealing to return to, but that's not a bad thing. It's a really strong game with a strong vision and a strong ambition and so I felt like I had enough of the single player that I don't feel inclined to return to it ever. I can quite vividly bring back some of the story points i think there's um a strong story of both arthur and john and it feels more like an odyssey than a singular um storyline as a whole and it sort of touches on some of the historical themes and, and the political pushes that exist between those particular individuals and the society at the time it's a game that builds and applies a gentle pressure on the world and on the characters over a long real time uh, and, and reaches a really effective conclusion of, of Arthur Morgan's story. I think it's a, an essential game to play, and I, it's the strongest of recommends. Lovely. Jay? I don't really know where to start with this, really, because it's like this is a game that I feel very passionate about anyway. Um, you normally do if you're on the podcast, for, in one, in well, one direction or another. That. <laughs> but I think in, in, in some ways, probably more so, because Kai worked on mm. it and we've got good friends who worked on mm. it and knowing people who've who've clear you know who've are passionate about it and and the seeing well not really seeing the work well kind of seeing the work that they did on it and stuff and being and, and seeing the efforts made generally by all the people involved i i feel that this is a game I'm, i i i feel a personal attachment to in some form because of that 
I can't recommend it enough. I think it's some. It is in many ways. It is a masterpiece. I think it has set the benchmark for a lot of uh, games to come. I think you know, there's definitely a discussion about the human cost of of these kind of games, and I think that discussion is being said. Mm-hmm. It's it changes are taking place. Changes have taken place within Rockstar because of it. I still feel this is a must play. Yeah, I'm going to just, I, I don't know. I, I love it. I love this game. I love the detail, the work, the passion, the effort that has gone into this. It never ceases to amaze me, you know? So, yeah. I like that. It never ceases to amaze. I was going to say something similar, actually. I think, I, I don't know what, I get a bit obsessed about this, and I guess it's my sort of passion for wanting people to have discussions about games remembering that all opinions are just opinions and people have their own tastes and subjective differences i find it aggravating when people you know talk about i I saw some tweet i won't i won't say who it was but i saw some tweets today about how bad they thought this game was and it was expressed in a way i saw those tweets too sorry (laughs) and it was expressed in a way and obviously it's twitter and i understand and Subjectivity mm. is implied because it's a tweet and I, I get all that, but I find it frustrating and I don't think it adds to the discourse. Um, and obviously all we ever do on these shows is offer our own experiences and opinions. And sometimes we frame them as such and sometimes we perhaps deliver them otherwise. I want to acknowledge, and I think it's important to know that just because a game gets 97% average review score, it doesn't mean that you will definitely like it. And this is a broad game. It is not in many ways a deep game. There are lots of elements about Red Dead Redemption 2 that definitely won't gel with people. There is no kind of, apart from some, you know, gun shootouts and stuff, there's no real twitch combat. If, if you like, if you want, you know, Bayonetta style combat depth or, or something like that, this, you know, this and, and your tastes don't expand into this kind of genre, then this won't be for you. You do plod about, you do, you know, you do, if you want to get the most out of it, you do have to get involved in the minutiae and the nitty gritty. However, if you do like those games they call walking simulators, if you're somebody who enjoys just being in a video game open world, and for me, the most spectacular one in terms of realism that's ever been made, I wouldn't actually say for me it's better than Breath of the Wilds, but that's a more stylized interpretation of the open world. Um just as magical for me, perhaps more magical, whatever that means, but less, you know, authentic. Um, and yeah, if you've ever enjoyed, a, you know, a, a story, ba- a heavily story based game, whether it's, you know, Detroit from Quantic Dream or, or something like that, or even a Telltale type game, like, you know, people, a lot of people still fondly remember the first season of The Walking Dead. This game has got so much of that stuff and also tons of other stuff. Um, that I think for most people, there's going to be something in here that you like. As we've heard from some of our correspondents, the gameplay for some, the the UI, the controls, and the lack of actual kind of you know demanding Twitch or or systemic gameplay with puzzles or anything like that. It is there is a lot of just walking about and pointing your gun at things and interacting by pressing a button. That is fundamentally what you know there's is the kind of the meat and potatoes of the actual game. But for me, it's about being in, for me, the most authentic and convincing, even if not realistic, uh, game world that there's ever been and just 
bathing in it and enjoying those characters and the stories as well. Like that, for me, that stuff is never the priority. The world comes first and then the story is like, a, for me, was like the icing on the cake here. But yeah, Jay finished with the word amazing. And it's a word, you know, it's a word that gets used a lot. But genuinely, I think this game is amazing. It amazes me that it exists and in the form that it does. Josh. Yeah, I, I, I think my summary is kind of, and I agree with everything you just said there, Leon, but I think for me, what I take away most from the game is the, the smaller stuff, mm -hmm. the, the character moments, um, you know, obviously it, I'm, you know, having those, you know, jaw dropping moments when looking at those vistas and just being engrossed in the world as well. But for me, like Red Dead Redemption 2, along with a number of other games like The Witcher 3 and, and more recently Disco Elysium represents like a real step up in quality and The Last of Us as well as another example of this, just a real step up in the overall quality of writing in games in the last five, you know five ten years and and it's probably you know up there amongst the greats for me i i think this is a game that is about something more than you know the hero's journey it's about more than just an adventure it has something it ha wants to say about people's capacity to change and that it's never too late and it's never too late to decide to be a better person and arthur morgan is actually quite an atypical character for you know video games not for westerns you know the the genre red dead redemption draws from most but for video games like john marston in this story the the young rebel who's gonna strike off in his own on his own at some point would you know be a more suitable protagonist but choosing the old handyman the the guy who's kind of on his last legs and becoming disillusioned but is still so attached to this community that he can't quite let go is a really bold choice in this medium um that tends to want to reward people you know reward players with characters who are a bit more uh, divergent or um, more at the centre of everything that's going on. Um, I I just I I cannot praise the writing and the acting in this game enough. And I think Arthur Morgan is a revelation of and and uh, just a huge success in a number of different art forms coming together. It's it's amazing. Mm, amazing again. Jacob, find a new word from the thesaurus of Gala. Uh, well, so I, I have to start this summary by saying that I am immensely uncomfortable with the details of this game's development. And, and I, I know that, that there are hundreds and thousands of people who worked on this game, and they have all had different experiences, and I don't want to speak universally about any of them, but, but I've... I sometimes wonder, you know, if if these are just kind of the facts of how something like this has to get made, if if these sorts of games are unsustainable, you know, that that one day we'll just kind of decide that it, we can't we can't do it ethically. And if we can't do it ethically, maybe we shouldn't make these, you know, 500 million dollar games that take eight years to develop. Um, but. Mm -hmm. 
that that being said, what impresses me most about Red Dead Redemption 2 is that it has such a singular vision of what it is through the entire thing. And and we have all played so many open world games that feel like they were made by making the medium choice on every possible route that that they've had every edge sanded off and and all that's left is kind of like the most frictionless experience for every player and that is not what Red Dead Redemption 2 does at at every turn it seems like it is making a choice and it is making it hard and it is leaning into that decision and letting the ramifications of that decision play out and and the fact that that can come from a team of thousands working over eight years is is an astonishing fact <laughs> and and so i'm left i i struggle with these sorts of things a lot but but the the end result we got is red dead redemption 2 and appreciated as a piece of art you know outside of its context it is one of the most powerful i have experienced we should people should suffer for us to enjoy art is what you're saying no it's not it's exactly that's what i took from it no no more comments shall be heard um if you if you've enjoyed this podcast and it was only two hours long there was a three-hour version of it available a month ago just saying patreon <laughs> it remains for me leon to thank jacob jay josh and rich as well as our correspondents and to you for listening next time in issue 402 kratos is back and this time he's bringing the boy it's got a war 2018 you've been listening to the kane and rinse video game podcast part of the kane and rinse collective support us for just two us dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Kane and Rince for early, extended, and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and at our website, kaneandrince.com. The many miles we walk The many things we learn The building of a shrine to burn That's the way That's the way
that's the way 